The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. What's up, world? How you guys doing? We are back. Orange is the New Black Podcast. What's going on, Hootay Nation? Yeah, definitely. We've got to talk about what's going on. So the Miami game happens. And what were your thoughts just overall from that game and just the Bengals going forward? I don't. One thing that I want I want to caution everybody is for me I was just the biggest thing that came out of the game to me was Jonah Williams because I'm I just think about the future, you know like I think in a lot of ways I don't know if it's where I'm raised at I don't know you know if your background has anything to do with this too, but all that extracurricular stuff I feel like a lot of people are focusing on that and. And to me, that wasn't really a big deal. Was that a big deal to you? Like, like the little scuffle after, and then five people, ulti- well, three people get ejected for that thing. Like, does that signal something? I feel like that's a lack of. Okay, like, I, I feel like if if they could have had Belichick or something like that, a scuffle like that could happen. But I think fans, out of frustration, are just looking for a way to point at somebody and say they've lost control and Zach Taylor had a locker room. Although that may be the case, I could mm-hmm. see a situation getting ugly like that with the most disciplined team in the NFL. If somebody is hitting one of my guys, I'm going to respond. And that's just, that's just what it is. There's a, a large group of demographics of people that are like responding to that, or they're using that as the conversation piece after the game mm-hmm. is like, Oh, they've just lost it, and look at these guys. And like, I'm more upset mm-hmm. at the five guys on the offensive line that were sitting on the bench while everybody was brawling. You know, because right. those are the guys, those are the guys that aren't that aren't representing brotherhood. Now, mm-hmm. I say brotherhood. People online or Twitter, I'm looking at it. They're like, yeah, calling it ghetto or whatever. I don't know what they're calling it, but to me, mm-hmm. some guys got into it. And, and I'm and I know I got off a little subject because that was just grinding my grinding me up like for the last 10 minutes like I just see a lot of that like where people on Twitter saying you know like oh they're out of control and stuff like no I feel like they got into a little scuffle after the play taken up for one of their guys and it is what it is like uh the the focus Mm -hmm. is on the football game for me 
And it looked really, really. It looked I really. Think to, I think to me, it really was more so about the frustrations boiling over on this season. I think that that had a lot to really do with it. I think, um, like, one thing that I'm not saying that this parallels with it, but like, yeah. you look at the AJ Green and Jalen Ramsey fight, right? It wasn't really more so about what Jalen Ramsey said to AJ. And I think some of it was, but I think it was just the fact that it was such a frustrating part that something like that can set you off, right? Like if you're two and you've only won two games this season and somebody on the other team that normally talks trash is like, you guys are trash, it's going to kind of set you off. I do have to agree with people that feel like the coaching staff is at fault for not being able to handle uh, certain aspects, but it just kind of just showed that Zach Taylor isn't in control of this team. Um, and I think it was telling, like you said, the guys that weren't on the field, everyone from the Miami Dolphins, the coach included, came onto the field during that thing. Now, right, right. The one thing, though, that I do think for me, like if I was on the other side of that play, and I think if we all were on the other team and the Steelers did that to us, I think we would feel like that was dirty, the second shot. Like, for it to happen twice like that, like if that were to happen to our own player and it was the Steelers that did that, I think we would all be like, nah, like I would be ready to fight and stuff like that too. You know what this so I think You know what this I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut. You know what this remind me of? Remember last year when the Miles Garrett situation happened? Mm-hmm. He, he, and he hit uh, Rudolph or whatever, right? Remember how pissed I was after the game that everybody was talking about that? I even went on my live and I was like, why y'all talking about that crap? That don't have nothing to do with the ass whooping the Steelers just got. You know, remember how upset I was, whatever? I just right. feel like sometimes stuff like this really takes the focus off of what's the problem. And the problem right. is we're not winning football games. And Right, I, but I think that, I think that I this think is it a does product coincide. of that. I think it's a product of that, right? I think, like, the frustrations come out, and it might just be something. And I said when you were gone, like, if someone on the Dolphins was just like, you're trash, and it's like, You've been, you've only won two games and utilized correctly or something like that. That may be something to send you over the edge. I think that that was it. But I think, like you said, it was kind of telling that it was somewhat kind of divided as well because you still had some players on the bench. But it was just weird, man. Like I would like to actually hear what Brian Flores had to say because I saw him coming on the field. I saw Von Bell kind of like push him back and say, hey, let us handle it. But um. I think it's really it, it takes away from the narrative that this this I, and I don't think that takes away from it because I hear a lot of people I think saying it does, fire Zach that's all people stuff. are talking yeah. about though. Like I feel like that's a all lot people, people are talking about fire Zach. A lot of people who were but but you know, but it's super it's optimistic and all of that the uh, for a few weeks. I'm not pessimistic. I'm a realist. I just tell it like how it is. So like when we see what's going on now with like Zach not really having control of this team, not really fighting. To me, it just seemed like a team that kind of gave up on them. I think we were wondering when that moment was going to come. I think this week we've finally, finally seen it. And it's just a shame that they got frustrated to the point that it got pushed like that. Uh, But it just is what it is at this point. I mean, unfortunately, that was the only fight that this team showed for real was when they actually got into it. Go ahead. You're on mute. I I just think that. If we're winning a football game and that happens, like, in contrast, like you said, with the Dolphins, right? And and we could leave this subject or whatever. Like, if you're winning – and people in here got to understand, if we're winning the football game, you're not talking about that after the game. And if you are talking about it, it's just because 
you're upset that somebody did a dirty play or somebody whatever, but that's not mm-hmm. the focal point. And for me, I'm a football purist. I don't right. all that extracurricular stuff or whatever. Like I mm-hmm. see it, like even the Tyler Boyd thing when it happened, I said, yeah, like dude push Tyler Boyd a little late. So what? I'm with all that extracurricular stuff. Like that's cool. Like as long as nobody get hurt, like you, that's just competitive nature in me or whatever. Like I'm stronger than you. I'm mentally stronger than you. You can't. You can't push me after the play and think I'm going to cry about it or anything like that. I'm going to right. fight back. I'm going to retaliate, and that's just my mindset. So when the players did that in a, in a setting like that, if the team was undefeated or they were the Saints and they were, what, 9-2 and two or something like that, I just don't think nobody would be talking about it. But it does coincide with the fact that maybe Zach Taylor has lost the locker room or whatever. But Brian Flores, you don't come on here or the people that are here saying, this is unacceptable. Like, like yeah, I ain't never been in no fight before. But the people that are saying it's unacceptable, why aren't y'all saying it's unacceptable that the Dolphins came on the field, the whole entire bench emptied out? You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, the thing is, it's the same thing. One team is not the same thing. It's not the same thing. The reason that it's not is because it was a dirty play. Say it was a dirty play. I don't even care about that. Like, that's so what? Like, he's a, like, dirty. Eject him from the game. Let's focus on the game. The Bengals could have won the game, but they lost the game. Let's talk about the the plays and all the different stuff. But to to me, it them. was to me it's different from the Dolphins because it's like it's like when Gio got hurt, got hit by Shazier, right? All of our players came off to like make sure like he was straight, and they came to his defense. That's the position Miami was in. Like it's it's different. Like the Tyler Boyd one, I feel like the dude Xavier Howard, he was at fault because he kind of came at Tyler Boyd. He swung at him, right? He took the first shot, in my opinion, to start the whole thing. In this situation, uh, our dude was the one that, like, leveled their guy. And the dude was only, like, five seven, And it was the second time. Like, it wasn't like it was the first time that they all came out. It was the second time that it happened. And so, like, with them coming onto the field, I could see that just because they're coming to the aid of their, of their player, per se. If the, and the Bengals on the field are coming in defense, if they see a whole Miami Dolphins thing empty out on their field, then the Bengals right. players are coming in the defense of Mike Thomas as well. I just don't. Even, I, I think I think I'm losing y'all, or maybe I'm losing you with this. I just don't even see how it has any. To me, it doesn't have anything to do with the game because oh, if yeah. we're because if we're winning the game, who cares? Like you know, what yeah. I'm saying you we we could talk about who's dirty, who's not, whatever. Like, but if we're winning the game. You would say, oh, they're coming to the aid of their, their players. But since we're losing the game, oh, it's unacceptable, da da da, da. I want to talk about, like, the game itself. Throughout I, the I game. Think where, I, I think where, before we not to spend too much time on it, I think where people are coming off where they're blaming the coaches is why would you be telling Mike Thomas to keep doing that? Like, if if Mike Tomlin was that. to let him keep doing something like do that, that, like, who would – I think that's I, what it I, is. I kind of do that. And, and, if you really want to talk about it, the first time he was pushed and his momentum carried it to it. But even yeah. even still, let's say I'm playing devil's advocate. Let's say he did that, whatever. Zach Taylor didn't come up to him and say, go do that again. Right. But I think people would assume, like, if you had something like that and it, and it resolved again the same time, I think is what people were saying. But, I mean, I honestly, is. You could look at that both ways. You could look at it from events like that. You could look at it from penalties. You know, both teams had a lot of penalties and stuff in this game that shows um, lack of discipline. But I mean, to blow that up the most, I think like what Zim is saying is 
to put that over, you know, the offense only scoring seven points or bad coaching decisions that have happened throughout the season, right. I would, I definitely wouldn't put it up there with any of that. Right. They lost because, I mean, like, think about this. Say that Tyler Boyd play doesn't go. He doesn't take it 72 yards to the house. You know, like, they, mm-hmm. they might get blanked out today. Yeah, like, to, me, get blanked out. to me, I want to talk about the lack of execution, the lack of how uh, Zach Taylor's offense doesn't resonate with players to make average players or above average players better, right? That's right. the focal point. I don't need them getting into a scuffle to make myself feel higher and mighty and say, oh, 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 oh that's unacceptable. Like, I saw that comment just a couple times, like, that has nothing to do with his coaching not putting yeah, – let's talk about the coaching. For let's talk not, about the coaching. For him not putting points on the board. And him not putting points on the board. I thought the defense did enough. I thought William Jackson made enough plays today when he was in a one-on-one situations uh, with Devontae Parker, who is a very, very formidable, like, top 10 wide receiver in this league on the low. For him to play the way that he played, Jesse Blaze played really well. Uh, yeah. Sam Hubbard had the best game of his uh, of his season today. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some plays that was that that were made out there, whatever. But when you look at the whole entire thing, there's only a couple players that can go to the next level with us if this team is going to get any better. And so for me, I was just looking at the future. The mm-hmm. biggest thing out of that game it has nothing to do with a scuffle. Tyler Boyd getting ejected, anything. The biggest thing out of that game is Jonah Williams' knee. If his knee is not right, that changes the entire draft, whatever you thought that we were about to do, all the different things that we were trying to say and what we were going to build on. I think when Adeniji came in, he was terrible. I thought uh, Agba or whatever his name was was abusing Bobby Hart on the, on the other side. There, there are some people that – I could single out and say that guy could come, and it's some guys that I looked at and I said that guy can't come, and and I I wrote down every single one of them, and the biggest problem is we were having a conversation with um, Malik earlier today or whatever. The biggest problem that I have that I I just don't have an answer for is this: I don't see any coach that I like signing up for this, like signing up for that front office. I don't see any coach that I like willing to let ownership dictate so much. It would have to be like a Zach Taylor like talent or somebody that hasn't somebody that's that's achieved less. Because anybody mm-hmm. that's achieved more, like we were talking about Stefanski or something like that, he's been around. He he earned his stripes. Like he earned the right to call his shots and do his different things like that. Zach Taylor has no pull. In that whole entire, in that whole thing. And, right. and the reason why he has no pull is because that's the way the front office would like it to be. And I just don't think any of the coaches that we throw around, the names that we throw around, that's my biggest problem that I, as I was watching the game, I'm just like, what coach is going to sign up for this? There's a lot of players that they could keep. There's so much building that needs to be done. Like, even in right. a game that was closed, why do you always, why do we feel like, Without Joe Burrow, I felt like we were down 14 and we were up. Like that's how, like that's how weird that 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 team is. I felt like we were down and we were up by like what it was like seven three or seven six or something like that. And I and I, I, I almost felt like we were playing from behind because mm-hmm. they lack so many things that it takes to win football games. And that was my biggest takeaway, I think, from from this game. It's like 
You can get mad at different things that you didn't like. You can get mad at a stupid scuffle that nobody's going to remember next week. But ultimately, people look at the score and they look at records. And our record is terrible. The team plays very, very terrible together with a lot of talented players. And that's a big problem. I mean, it's a huge problem. I think we saw that today with the Giants and the Seahawks. There's no excuses. The Giants came in with Colt McCoy and beat the Seahawks today. Uh, you know, when I talk about getting uh, Duke Tobin out of here, that's why I said it. Like, it's not just a Zach Taylor issue. Uh, obviously, Zach is part of the issue, but Duke Tobin has been a person that has kind of signed off on Zach being the coach, kind of sold ownership on that. I think as a result of that, that that means that you have to make a change there as well. Uh, but I mean, Zach, it's been pretty obvious that Zach needs to go. Like, to be honest with you, and I think one one thing we were talking um, about earlier is the fact that Luana Rumu has actually been solid like the past three games. Like the offense has completely died without Joe Burrow. And I've always felt like Joe Burrow was making this offense look a lot better than it is. You talk about the offensive line. I've talked about Jim Turner for most of the season, they started to improve. And I think most of that may have actually been due to Joe Burrow. And now this stuff is crumbling. And these were moves that the front office signed off on in terms of the personnel. Um, this is something that the coaches wanted. And I think we're just seeing the disaster that it is. This offensive line problem, I keep saying it, it's not a new problem. It's been since 2016. This isn't something that's just like, oh, what are we going to do about it? And the Bengals have had this the same kind of the same kind of situation where they kind of wait for things to play out and they wait until it's too late. You look at the Andy Dalton situation, they waited too long. AJ McCarron, they waited too long. Linebacker situation, after they moved on from Vontez, they waited too long to get new linebackers in there. They finally have done that, but then sometimes it's too little too late. They tried to go out here and get a coaching staff that they thought was going to be more productive than Marvin Lewis and get this team over the hump. And they simply have not done that. They haven't come even close to it. I think I, I can even go as far as saying I'm not a Marvin guy. Marvin Lewis would have won more games than Zach Taylor these last two years. I think everyone, even if you dislike Marvin Lewis or the message guy, oh, you could agree with that as well. And I think that the Bengals just need to make a decision to move on from it. Now, I do think I hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, no one wants to sign up for the Bengals. But I think Joe Burrow helps them. I think um, if they didn't have Joe Burrow, nobody would want this job. The fact that they have Joe Burrow, that helps them. But like you're saying, are they going to be able to relinquish that power to a head coach like a Jim Harbaugh or something like that? That's something that they have to look themselves in the mirror and say, in 2026, this contract is up. We're not putting people in seats. We got what's going on, going on right now. You can't sell this, this fan base. Zach Taylor stand here. You can't sell them something like if you were to hire Jim Harbaugh, I'm not saying that they will, but if you did, those butts are in seats. People are excited. Everything that happened in the past two years is automatically a wash. If you hire Eric B. Enemy, it's probably the same thing. Whoever you bring in, it has to be somebody that's well-respected, that people feel like has a resume, has a background, has a plan. A plan that will work, a plan that has been proven to work in the NFL. I think that's how you get people to buy back into it. I don't see it working with Zach Taylor. That's just my personal thing. I don't see that working. Even if he's to get rid of Jim Turner and all of that, it's still the same bad culture. It's still the same bad taste in Bengals fans' mouth. 
this guy is 0 and 15 on the road. Like that's not hating. That's just facts. I, I can't say anything. Like I was defending this dude last year. We were defending this dude last year. I can't defend this. And honestly, we have to think about what's best for the team moving forward. That's what they have to think about moving forward. And it can't be getting caught up on we have to pay Zach Taylor this money. Yes, it's unfortunately we have to do that if you do move on from him. But that's better than losing two more seasons where you're not going to have fans in the seats no matter what. You can have your super fans there, but there's a whole bunch of other seats that aren't there that they're not going to be able to get fans in if you don't make the moves necessary moving forward. And all you're doing right now is damaging that. Like you said, Jonah Williams now has a knee injury. Joe Burrow now has a knee injury. These things, not to say that we can avoid injuries, but you could have done something to greatly reduce this happening if you were to put a better line in place and make better moves. You didn't do that. Now we're seeing the worst of what could actually happen. Yeah, I mean... I just find myself like uh, when I was watching the game today, I was very, very disinterested uh, in the product. Um, at no point did I feel like this is a fun team or anything to watch. And then the Tyler Boyd play was fun to watch. I say that 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 play was as luck will have it. I'm playing a guy in fantasy football, and guess who he has? Tyler Boyd. <laughs> so, so I was kind of like pissed, but you know, like I, like I said, you know, I want to win because you know, like I, I someone just showed me a clip of the uh, Sean Williams. I don't know if y'all seen that clip where he steps on the angle. Like I, I just feel like there's a lot of guys on this team that are just ready to leave. There's a lot of guys on this team that uh, are very, very tired of losing. And I think ultimately Zach makes them feel like losers. Yeah. And, and no, no man can make you feel like that. Not, no one person can make somebody feel like that. But if the leader of, you know, the message that's being conveyed in the locker room hasn't won anything and he's still saying the same exact things and then they're still saying the same exact results, anybody that's in here that thinks that Zach Taylor could possibly be the, be the answer, like, you're completely <laughs> wrong. And you're trying to you, – I, I think me and you were trying to be fair, give him some time and everything like that. But he's clearly in over his head. Uh, there's no progression at all. Because without Joe Burrow, like, I know that's a tough task, though. I like, I like to put myself in other people's uh, perspective. But think about this. Joe Burrow throughout the whole year is taking every single rep. So, like, that's hard to get, like, a backup quarterback, like, in line, get him on, you know, like, privy to the game plan and everything like that. But good coaches do. Right. And the fact that neither one of those guys stand a chance and they look like they're going to get slaughtered, they don't look like they belong in the NFL. He makes a lot of players look like they don't even belong in the NFL. A lot of people are getting on Mike Thomas you know, for that position. That's a Zach guy, you know, and that's a gunner that maybe is not even in the position that he should be in. And we're talking about this weekly. That was one of the things I kept on saying is like, you got so many guys playing out of position or so many guys that are not happy with their role on the team that now, I mean, you, that nobody really cares about like the, the repercussions and stuff. I just think everybody on the, on the team just wants the season to be over. If they were a 0 and 11 team like the Jets or whatever, it probably would be uglier than what it is right now. 
I think because they did, they were competitive in some of those games, they still do believe that they, they know that they have the talent to win games. But I know at this point, it's very clear that every person on that staff has failed making these guys better. And those guys know it. And they're watching other teams like the Dolphins, who were in a worse position than us last year, come back, go draft a bunch of people, a lot of young talent. They got our backup safety. You know what I'm saying? Like all these different things. You, they know, like players talk, they know the personnel. You know who's good, you know who's not. We're looking at the Dolphins. We're looking at like Miles Gaskin and all these people, like excelling at what they're doing because their coaching is putting them in a position to do it to the, to the, to the standpoint that these guys are about to go to the playoffs. The Miami Dolphins. You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking at Tua in the first half of that game. Tua's going to be a good pro, but he's nothing like Joe Burrow. Like, that is, like he's, not, he's not even close. Like, he couldn't sniff Joe Burrow's jockstrap, and that was very clear in the, in the first half. The second half, he played really well, but even still, you just, it's, just, it's just a difference in the command of a team and everything like that. And I'm not being a homer by saying that, that Joe Burrow just does so much for the team. And I just felt like without Joe Burrow on that team, these guys have no leader and they feel like they're losers, you know. And, and the only way to correct that is to instill new hope. Uh, go get new players, uh, like big big time free agent guys that guys believe in, guys know around the league. Like if you were to go to get like a Trent Williams or something, like everybody in there, Trent Williams walks into the locker room day one and says, yeah, I'm Trent fucking Williams. You know what I'm saying? Like, like – I'm I'm that guy, and that's the only that's one step to getting the players' belief back in there. The other step before you even get to that is getting them position coaches that they believe in and getting them new coaching. And anybody that thinks that there's another way around that, there isn't. Like that, I've, I've exhausted my mind today just thinking like, how could we make this thing? Like it doesn't work. I was saying that earlier on in the season, and it was like when people were saying that it was the coaching, people were like, oh, you guys are just being negative. No, it. It's coaching. Like, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it is, and I think we talked off a line. People are wondering why aren't these guys buying in? Look at the coaching staff, look at their experience. You can use Wikipedia, look at their experience. Then think about what coaches were on this staff during the Marvin Lewis era. First of all, Marvin Lewis took the Ravens to a Super Bowl. Coach Ray Lewis, Coach Ed Reed, Hardwell, like he's got skins in it. Like people know who he is. If I was, if you were an NFL player, you know somebody that worked with someone that was a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famers, wouldn't you respect them? They also worked with Hugh Jackson. We interviewed Hugh Jackson. Go do a Wikipedia search on Hugh Jackson's resume. Look at how many jobs he's had, where he's been at, who he's coached, all of that. Vance Joseph, uh, the, the defensive coordinator right now for the Cardinals, they loved him when he was here superstar coach he was a head coach at one point uh jay gruden like mike zimmer like they have been around some of the best coaches even though it's the bengals they have had some of the best coaching and the best staffs and have learned this stuff from the best people so if you really think that somebody's gonna show up and say no how you were doing it was wrong when it's from guys who have been in the nfl with probably a combined 40 or 50 years of coaching experience and say it should be done this way, if you really think guys are going to come in and respect that, that's not going to work. And I think that's what happened is the Bengals players that are on, that were there when Marvin was there, 
they were used to all of that good coaching. They got the top of the line coaching. They got coaching from guys that went from being positional coaches and coordinators to head coaches. So I think to me, it's not hard for the players to know whether or not people know what they're talking about. And you take it a step back even further. Some of these guys went and played for guys like Nick Saban and all of these great colleges and coordinators there too. So they know if someone doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm not saying that they don't know what they're talking about, but you kind of get the vibe that the coaching isn't really working. And it's not for all of them. I think Elise came out and said that some of them do like some of the positional coaches and stuff like that, or they're tighter with their positional coach or look for confidence in their positional coach versus maybe a coordinator or the head coach. But it, it comes down to coaching, bro. It comes down to coaching. It comes down to putting guys in the right position. If you like I said with the, the with the Darrell Rivas thing, Tampa played him, put him in the wrong position. This guy was the best corner in the league. It was a big mistake. He looked like just an average guy because of a scheme. So it all comes down to coaching, and you know, they have to they have to start there. At the time when they hired Zach, I feel like they didn't have leverage. They didn't have Joe Burrow. So they had no leverage where they could be like, all right, we've got this this great, great future at the quarterback position with Joe Burrow. At that point, they had Andy Dalton. They had guys that were on the other side of their careers. It was a position that wasn't really appealing for someone to take over. Now you've got Joe Burrow, but now there's a bunch of issues because Joe Joe Burrow is hurt, but hopefully you can still get someone in there because of that. But coaching staff has to change out. Obviously, that changes if you move on from Zach Taylor. I think you get that. Uh, But they just got to make the right move. That's what it really comes down to. And we'll have to see if they do that and moving forward, whether or not it works. A lot of people are talking about Urban Meyer. I honestly don't care who it is. If it's Jay Gruden, if it's Urban Meyer, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. But we got a super chat here from the DS Born for $10. I appreciate that. The main barometer should be that Marvin Lewis did not leave this team that bad off when he left. No road wins. Four total in two years regression of our best players slash mismanagement of the rest. ZT has to go. I mean, I've I've been felt like that. I mean, this isn't this isn't something new to me. Uh, but until they do it, all we can do is keep talking about it. So for me, I just think that they got to move in that direction. That's all I really have to say on it. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I'm I for the first time in a long time I'm I'm very very worried about the franchise though that's I, I you know like to me I know you don't mean you don't care who they hire like you you want the guy to be you want the best person I think you any, know like you want I the think best anyone person. I the bar is so low right now anybody would be an upgrade like see I don't this this is the most important time in Bengals history right now with the. Joe no, Burrow, no, I mean, obviously, in a, I don't want a four year window of Joe Burrow. Right. They got to make the right guy. They can't be they can't be messing around. So it's got to be the right guy. But I just have a hard time struggling knowing the personalities of the guys that I like. Uh, like even like a Joe Brady, like I just don't see. Uh, I wouldn't do Joe Brady. I mean, but, but I'm just saying like any 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 hot name, like a hot name. Anybody that anybody's thinking, like somebody said Ed Orgeron early in the in the thing or whatever, anybody that you think about, they're going to want to implement their culture in their way, and that me and that means relinquishing some parts of like manage, you know, like a managed operating daily operational 
items at Paul Brown Stadium. Mm-hmm. And and that's what Zach, Zach Taylor came in with ideas on. Hey, we could play cool music and we could like ideas, right? right. But he's not demanding. The, and, the, the guy, and the guys the, that we know, like I need, we need someone like a, uh, you know. And I had, and I hadn't yeah. felt like this in a while because I, I was just like, well, Joe Burrow is just gonna come in, and ultimately it might not give me a Super Bowl, but he's just going to go above and beyond and force the hand of the front office. Mm-hmm. But I never factored in Joe Burrow could tear his ACL and be in a position where now. Some of that leverage is it, it seems silly, but mentally, some of that leverage, like now he's not as uh indestructible. Right. So now yeah. some of the stuff that I'm thinking, like in this offseason coming up, like I in my mind, I have it all played out, these conversations. They're asking Joe Burrow, what do you want when they go to the draft, right? They're gonna be asking him like where where Joe Burrow's like the LeBron James of our team, like he's making some little decisions behind the scenes. He's not He's not overstepping his boundaries, but I wanted him to – I always said that last year and the year before that. I said, we need a quarterback that's going to Aaron Rodgers the situation. Aaron Rodgers will get whatever the hell he wants. And and that was my way of beating the front office. Mm-hmm. This guy's torn his ACL, doesn't really have the leverage to come in and say what the hell he wants. As great as he played, he could still say that, but he's lost a little bit of that. And as we've seen in the year one of the Joe Burrow project or whatever – he can't do everything, and that's the scary part to me is that I don't trust the front office to go hire the best person because unlike what you're saying is, no, I need I need a coach that's going to go above and beyond and be crazy. People don't like Harbaugh because he's a lot like – I feel like I relate a little bit to Harbaugh. Sometimes I have a message to somebody. They think I'm so intense. They think I'm so crazy that they don't understand me, and they probably say, I hate this guy or he's weird, right? And it's got to be a unique force like that to that what doesn't that doesn't care about the front office like that right. just says y'all go do that front office stuff. I'm gonna be the crazy coach and do everything I can here. And I just don't. I I, I find myself like thinking like who the hell would who would sign up for after they're saying what they're doing like right now whatever who would sign up for this like none of this is organized. Like I think they, don't, they need. I think what they really need is someone like a. Like a and Bill Parcells. I think they actually need somebody that is going to be the de facto GM as well, as well as a coach. I think that's perfect for what they need. For me, if it were me, I would have to move on from Duke Tobin because that if you're worried about Duke Tobin and the head coach button heads, why not just get a head coach that can be your de facto GM? Now, it could go bad because you've seen the Bill O'Brien stuff, but it also could go like Bill Belichick or it could go with like Bill Parcells. They need Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells is just too old for this team right now, but that's Bill what Parker. they need. That's what I said that. Need. I was saying that like what I said that a couple weeks ago. Like you need a guy that's just one everywhere. Got and another those. super chat here from Anthony Taylor. He asked, um, hold on here. I just got it. He says, How about Lincoln Riley? Since the season is done, can guys can you guys give out your 2021 seven round draft needs? Um, I'm going to say about Lincoln Riley, I think it's similar to like a Zach Taylor kind of thing. I wouldn't mind taking him because I think that he's shown that he can work with several different quarterbacks. I wouldn't mind taking that chance um, because you see what's happening with Cliff Kingsbury. I think that it would be great. What's for Joe like Burrow. Zach Taylor type of thing. What do you mean by that? 
like a young a young guy, but but Lincoln Riley has actually been a head coach before, so I can't say that. Big so, difference. Big so, difference. Um, Lincoln Riley, I wouldn't be opposed to. And for me, I would say draft needs are offensive tackle, offensive guard, tight end, um, corner, corner, defensive line, interior. Like they they the edge. What could they? What, what could they somebody asked me that. What could they not draft, bro? I don't know. There's not a position they, like they need to draft you, you didn't even say wide receiver. I don't think they need a wide receiver. Like Shit, I think it would be crazy. Nah, I don't think Bro. they need a wide receiver. So I, you watching that game today? Uh, tight end. You watching Drew Sample and saying I like Drew Sample and Mason Shrek compared to our wide receivers. At least I have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I have literally none of that at the offensive guard position, at the offensive tackle position, at the defensive tackle position. I'm watching Xavier Williams and Chris Covington at the – at maybe at corner, maybe, if William Jackson doesn't leave. If William Jackson leaves and Mackenzie Alexander leaves, I literally have nothing. I literally have nothing. So, to me, wide receiver isn't that high for me compared to the other positions. If we're talking I, I don't, about it I don't, know, I don't know if I would rank it that high, but the same is so crazy to me. John Ross, John Ross was drafted in 2000. I would take a kicker before a receiver. John Ross was <laughs> <laughs> right. I would take a kicker before a receiver because that's another lingering issue that I that yeah, we you know what's so crazy? The guy that they should have got Tyler Bass that we kept on saying is having a pretty good year. Like uh, I think he was drafted in the fifth round by the Bills or something. I watch him with my fantasy every week. But this is this is the point. When John Ross was drafted. When when the front office felt like there was a point where you need somebody to stretch the field, right? And what was that, five years ago now, right? Do you know that five years later, after drafting uh, – God, I can't even remember half these dudes now. What's the dude? He went to the Jets now. They, they draft all these fourth-round wide receivers and everything like that. Do you know five years later or, or six years after Marvin Jones has left, we are in the same exact position. So every single time that I watch Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins run a route, they are blanketed because they have nobody to stretch but the they, field. But they still oh, have oh, almost oh, a thousand oh. receiving yards each. What else do you want? I, I don't care if a guy can run a 4-2 if you're only giving me 300 yards. Or don't care. That's not even a point. Just from the functionality of an offense and spacing and the good teams mm -hmm. that I'm watching, like even – Who does that for Miami? We can't even say they Devontae, don't have one. Devontae Parker. But he's a tall guy. He's not really Grant, a speed guy. Grant, Grant is their speed guy to take the top off. Right. But everybody they, has one. We don't have one. But who, who can say that they have 2,000-yard receivers, though? But you're talking about an offense that's not even proficient. The good offenses in the NFL, like, can you win with Tyler Boyd? And I said, I don't know how high it is on the list. But, Tyler Boyd is the only reason we scored a touchdown today. Like, if Tyler Boyd doesn't score that touchdown, we literally have zero. You're missing what I'm saying. I don't know. I how, get what you're saying. I, I, I get how you rank it or whatever. Right. That that's I'm not. I don't care about how how you rank it. But to to. But like the Ravens would love. Like the Ravens have that. They have Hollywood Brown, right? But do you know that the Ravens would give like their kidney? But they're missing a possession board. receiver. They're missing a trio. So so that's what I'm saying. For for if if every year we just go into the draft and we say. Aha! That's the position we need. We did that with linebacker. We did that with center the year before that. Every year we say, aha! We need. If you constantly just don't take the best person available or miss out on somebody over and over again, 
you miss out on a DK Metcalf or all these guys that just get passed up, right? And I'm just going to just stay with the wide receiver position. To act like that's not a deficiency in our offense is a big problem. It's just as deficient as not having an edge. Now, how important they are to winning actual games, that's a ma- that's a mathematical equation that I can't equate for you. But to say that you're good, oh, no, I'm good on wide receivers, like I that is am. I got 2,000-yard wide receivers. I don't yeah, need but, it. Like, but it's like if we had the functionality of the yeah. offense, though, like the good offenses that I just watched the Rams play today or when I watched the Chiefs play or even when you watch the Steelers play or whatever. You got your possession, you got your big body, and you got your field mm-hmm. structure. And all of the good offenses to, to win a Super Bowl, at some point you have to do it. So to just skip over certain positions, I can't say that. To say that we don't we we could skip over if a tackle was right there, hell yeah, I'm going tackle. But to act like that's not a deficiency as well, just like it, linebacker was a deficiency. Like having two two edge rushers that finish with ten sacks this season and saying I need another edge rusher that does something different. Like I I can't say that you if you got yard receivers though. You don't like, have that. that wasn't a good example because you don't have two edge rushers. You say you don't have two edge rushers? That wasn't a good example because you don't have two edge rushers. No, I'm saying that would be like if you we need had more. edge rushers, just like we had with like Dunlap and Lawson, and you're like, I need another edge rusher. Like, nah, the good you, teams you have three or four. The good teams have three or four. Name a team that has 2,000, 1,000-yard receivers where it's an abundance in the league because a lot of teams that are making the playoffs right now don't have that. Uh, Rams? The Rams, Cup and uh, Robert Woods, Cup and Robert Woods. That's what I'm saying. It's not like like I'm not saying I, 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 that they I'm don't need one. I don't think that's, that you even to have me. To that's a void in the going. team to say that to to act like the, these holes are filled. That would be a mistake. The same way of saying, oh yeah, we good at I don't know right, left guard because we got Spain. To when we go to the draft, the team is so bad right now at this point. To skip over a position would be egregious. I don't think the team is that bad. I think the line is that bad that you can't get the balls to the receivers. That like, team looks very bad today, bro. Like they don't look like they could even score any. They like without a without an average quarterback. Like mm-hmm. Brandon Allen is okay on a good team, but mm-hmm. on our team he looks terrible because the team doesn't play cohesively. Mm-hmm. At any point or any facet of a game, to the point that if Tyler Boyd doesn't go house seventy-two yards, they don't even score but, three points. So for you to say like the team is not that bad, they I'm don't. Talk about they the don't elephant play in the room. Well I'll talk, talk about the elephant in the room. Why are you getting Joe Burrow a burner when his deep ball isn't a one like that? Like, what does a burner do for this defense if Joe Burrow's strength isn't even isn't even the deep ball? That's like saying Tom Brady should get Tyreek Hill. That's not what he does. If we had someone like Carson Wentz that's slinging it like that, then, yeah, you need to get him a bomber or Pat Mahomes. That's the reason it works. Joe Burrow is not a bomber like that, though. He doesn't throw the deep ball like that. So, like, how does us inserting it in a speedy receiver that doesn't align with what his strength is, which is the short to intermediate, help him? Because it's about the placement and how you feel in a football team. If the conversation is, do we get a wide receiver in the first round and you neglect getting a tackle or something like that, that's what a conversation where you have a legit force. But if you're sitting if you're sitting right there, third round, fourth round, shit, I'd be looking at wide receiver second round, honestly, because I feel like that is a void. Okay. Nah, but, 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 right. but listen, when you say your complete thoughts, like, cool. So 
what I'm saying is that to act as though something is better than something else on this team is is not cool to me because there's no room on this team that can just be skipped. Like, if you're watching this team, they have talent all over the place, but cohesively they don't play well together. And, and, and is that a function of coaching? Maybe so. But if I got a room full of Justin Jeffersons and Tyler Boys and all these other good wide receiver things and I match that up with now filling in my offensive line and stuff like that, I think that might equate to more wins. But to get to a really, really good team and then say we're 8-8 eight and eight, and then go back to where we were five, six years ago and still be saying the same thing like, hey, man, we, we now need somebody that can stretch the field a little bit. Because even if you feel like that's not uh, Joe, Bur- uh, Joe Burrow's game, don't forget Justin Jefferson gets that shit aired out every single week who Joe Burrow threw to all the time. Joe Burrow's deep ball was the most efficient in college football in all of the lane last year. He had a so, line because he actually had an offensive line. That, can said that wasn't even a part of his game, but that is a big part of his game if you give him the pieces to the puzzle. But but to say to say that I'm skipping tackle to draft the wide receiver, I agree. I would go tackle. So in the second round, you would skip an edge rusher to draft another wide receiver, or you would it skip depends, a guard? It depends on I the talent grade. It. it depends on the talent grade. The, that's how we ended with T. That's I would rather have a tight end. Like, like, you you know what you're describing? What you're describing is how we got T. Higgins. T- we needed a linebacker, right? But we skipped right over because the talent level of T. Higgins was just too high. So if I was over a tackle too, but now it's like, you yes, you know, like that's, how you could, that's a scenario. Burrow is hurt. <laughs> but that's a scenario how you could end up with like a that's wide receiver because if I go to the draft and another T. Higgins is sitting right there, and then, and then my edge rusher grade for the guy is not that good, and I got a third, fourth round grade on him, then right. get it. I could pull the trigger on another that, That's also a part of why they're in the situation that they're in. They did that with John Ross. They did that with T. Higgins. The line is still garbage. So, like, are you going to do the same thing again? It's bigger than that, though. They they failed, they failed with the wrong offensive line coaching. They failed to address it in free agency to just narrow it down to the draft. That's not no. That, to me, it was the draft. Like, they, I, I like, they didn't, I, I, I like their draft. I like their draft. If in hindsight, yeah, you will go back and probably make some things a little bit different. Nah, but I, no, but I they, stand they should have taken more than one lineman in that draft. Everybody felt like they should have taken more than one lineman out of that draft. And when they addressed it, it wasn't until like what the sixth round. Like, nah, they should have. They should have definitely addressed the line at least more. I agree. Like, they could have did something in free agency. We saw that they did do it in free agency, but when they went into the draft and waited until like the sixth round to draft the offensive alignment, that was that was the only thing that I didn't like about their draft. I like the players, I like the class. I wouldn't say to trade any of them from that, but I felt like they should have at least taken one or two, like two linemen at minimum in that draft, period. I think what happened is when they got to the draft, the grades that they had on the guys like the Austin Jacksons of the world and stuff weren't as high as what they had on T. Higgins. So if it's, be- if it's draft best player available, then you draft the best player available. Right. And that's just how it goes. And where they failed to go address it in free agency or the missteps that they made, I don't even really care. But right. I just I just know that, like, the draft wasn't a bad draft. And the players, like, even Akeem Davis Gaither made a really good play earlier today. Like, I-, I feel like the draft was pretty strong. I thought it was a good draft class for sure. But But – yeah, at the end of the draft, yes, we all sat there and said that we definitely needed more. We needed more offense alignment. But every single year, 
are we just going to just say we need more of this or we need more of this? To me, it's just like we got to get the most talented players in the building. And, you know, drafting out of position, drafting for a need is how we ended up with Billy Price. You know, and but it's because there's, there's a fine line. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you're a, right. You're right on that. But you got to remember, they wanted Frank Rag now, and like but they somebody, didn't get him, and then they reached. That's what they have to do. Like, if you have your guy, don't don't be afraid to go up and get your guy. Don't be afraid to trade up and go and get Frank Rag now. They don't do that, and they like to wait and hope. And Carson Palmer said this: they like to hope that this the guy that they have is number one is going to fall to them. The NFL doesn't work like that. If somebody sees their guy, they're going to trade up and get him. And if Frank Ragnow is here instead of Billy Price, the line is probably better. It's not going to be a miracle line, but it's better than not having Billy Price. But you're right. If you just draft for need instead of taking the best player available, then you end up with a Cedric O'Boyhe or you end up with a Jake Fisher instead of going out and getting Lyle Collins like you should have when he was there. So – that yeah, that that that's a better way to answer. Like that's how you could end up with right. I don't I don't I don't see there's no scenario I can see them drafting a wide receiver first round. But that but that's how that's how it could happen. Like and I agree they do get they do like, need somebody to open up, but like for me, it's like they need that tight end. They but I'm gonna say they, they need everything. They need there's no position, they need every position. Like, 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 if the, if if, the, if a Bobby Wagner level linebacker was sitting right there on the board, second round again, I as as many linebackers as we have on this club right now, I know Bonds could roll, Pratt could roll out too, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know about King Davis Gaither, and then Logan Wilson is the most promising one in the thing. You could honestly go back and go draft another linebacker. Like, I could do that for every single position. Cornerback, I could do that too. Like for safety, I could. I mean, like the the Von Bell, the boom versus bust. Like he makes a good play, makes a bad play. Like if you got a Jesse Bates level safety sitting right there in your face, uh, a a great a Grant Delpit of the world, like one of those guys sitting right there. How do you not take him? Like when you know that the talent level all across the board is just not at the level that you need to be championship contending. I agree with you. I think it just depends on what your position of need is. Like if it is something like a safety or something like that, I get it. But if it's like your position of need is a premium position, like a corner or a tackle or a guard or something like that, then that's something that you got to do. Linebacker, you can you can pass on the best linebacker to get the best player available, right? But I think when it's like a left tackle, the, the left tackles that you're going to get in round one, let's say even round two, are vastly different than the left tackles that you're going to get in round four if you take another player instead of that. Sure. So I think that's the only part where you get into trouble with that. But uh, we went a little over than we were expecting to. But thank you guys for um, tuning in for the Orange is New Black podcast. Uh, obviously, this isn't over. We got a full offseason. I think Zimmer said this is the most important offseason that the Bengals will have. In a long time, I definitely agree with him on that. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to get through this. We're going to talk through all the different scenarios that we could do. What wide receiver would be the best to add to this offense? What lineman we should get? Who? What coaching staff should we do? We're going to discuss it all. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this is the Orange is the New Black podcast. Zen, before we get out of here, was there anything that you wanted to say? Pray for Jonah's knee.
Pray for Jonah's need. Definitely prayers up for Jonah Williams. Hopefully he has a um, you know successful surgery and a great return. And um, man, it's, it's a nightmare need- right now. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It's a nightmare right now. That's a nightmare right now. That I never thought I'd wake up to this. I never thought I'd wake up to Joe Burrow's knee. Like you talk about the draft, like just going in, you wouldn't be in a position to draft in the best player available. You'd be going in the first two rounds and saying. Hey, I need, I need a tackle. I need a guard. Like, no questions about it. You had to move up, do whatever you got to do. Say, I'm just saying, even in a scenario, you don't get Penny. Like, True. That's a disaster. That is a disaster. I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you two guys. That, I, I forget the guy's name for uh, Notre Dame, but he hasn't given up a sack in two years. He's really, really good. I watched some highlights from him over the weekend. And then the guy for Alabama, too. Check those two guys. They're both going – there's four tackles that's going to go in, like, the top 20 this year. Well, we so, better just take one of them. That's all. <laughs> so, but Penny, as the – you know, they're, they're saying, you know, at 20 years old, yeah, like, this dude, like, yeah. But there's some guys right now – I tell you right now, there's four guys that could go in the first round. They're, they're, they're saying maybe six, but four. And out of those six, four of them would start for us right now. So, yeah. like, but but Penny is a generational talent, they feel like. I don't know enough about him. I haven't seen a live game from him yet because he I, I would I would take Penny. If he's not there, you take the next best one, even if that's moving back, stocking some picks up and doing it. Do what you yeah, gotta do. I, I, I think at this point, the like watching the Dolphins and just looking at how many holes are on this team. Their lines look bad too. And, and how many guys are coming back from injured reserve on this team? It makes me want to stockpile like a lot of picks because it's too many. It's too many question marks. The only guarantee is a guy that's coming off a damn ACL, Joe Burrow. That's your only guarantee. There's nothing else guaranteed on this team. And I think I think from what we heard, I think someone was saying that they talked to an actual surgeon. I don't. I, it doesn't sound like Joe Burrow is going to be ready for twenty twenty one, the start of the season. So you got you staring that down the face of the possibility as well too. So it's it's going to be a big off season for the Bengals. I would not rush Joe back. I would want to you know keep him as healthy as possible. But yeah, we'll talk about that on the on the next episode. Someone asked. When is the next episode going to be? Wednesday night around 8 o'clock should be when that is. Please be sure that you turn on your notifications for Zim's YouTube channel, the Zim Who Day one. Turn it on for my one at New Stripe City. That way you always know when we go live, you'll get the notifications. You'll be able to see them. Uh, Also, follow us on Twitter at New Stripe City for me, at Zim Who Day for Zim. Also, be sure to follow Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore Who Day for his live streams of the game. You can follow me at New Stripe City. This is the Orange is the New Black podcast, and we're going to get through it, and we're going to leave you guys with a Who Day. Happy belated birthday. Appreciate it, bro. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.